This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 181 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. The small training business. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Question Collections offers the whole universe of shopping at your fingertips at a price you can afford. Shop online at equestriancollections.com. Plus, Kentucky Performance Products, simple solutions, scientifically proven. You can find them on the web at kppusa.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hell, hot water, while using their tails as their own flight swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Glenn Geek, And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, it's good to talk to you, Helena. Oh, it is so good to be back. I love me, my stable scoop. Well, I uh, got we got back Monday night from Philadelphia. We'll talk about that a little bit later. We we missed you at Ada this year. It was I it miss just being wasn't as there. much fun without having the bubbly little Helena there. Well, don't you worry. I'll be there in August. Although Come we, hell or high water. We did notice something, though. What? Our booth had much more room in it without you and Jamie cluttering it up with all the <laughs> stuff you bought. So- <laughs> You are just evil. You can't let go of the evil, Glenn, can you? You can't. We, we did say that. It was like Sunday late in the day, and we were getting ready to leave the booth, and Jennifer went, why does this booth seem so much bigger? I said, think about it. She said, oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. As I recall, it was your wife last time who went on a couple of shopping sprees. You know, there. we didn't buy anything this time. Nothing. Zero. Wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. I, we got some. We got. I got some freebies like uh, product that's going to be my pick of the week later on in the w- day, but uh, whew, uh, we didn't really buy anything. She had her eye on these expensive pair of boots, but uh, she's hoping to get them as a test ride. <laughs> she's got a boot thing too. Yeah. She and I have boot things. It's like just come out with a new boot and we'll buy it. <laughs> and Jamie, I think she bought like three pairs last time we were there. Yeah, Jamie went a little Gaga. <laughs> <laughs> she was kind of upset she didn't get to go Gaga this year. How was the Lilo booth? They're my favorite. Uh, the Lilo booth. We went up and talked to her. And yeah, what was yeah. her name? Uh, is her name Lilo? Her name is Lilo yes, something or other. Yes. Yeah. And, Lila, Lilo. Uh, she, she had, I think she knew that we did the little episode on her. You know, when we, we talked about her and she was very excited about that. And I told her you were her biggest fan. Oh, I am. I am. I, I like drool. It's like candy. They're, they're, they I had just, a huge booth this time, too. Yeah, that's yeah. good. And their stuff has really taken off in the uh, in the horse world. I'm I'm happy to see them. Which, which is surprising in, a, in this economy because it is expensive stuff. You know, you know what it is, Glenn? I think that people are willing to buy themselves small things that make them happy. Right. <laughs> and Lilo is that they make small things and big things, but they make them in happy colors and materials. And um, I think they just – we all need that to recharge our batteries every now and again, you know? So I think buying expensive stuff helps you recharge your batteries. Yeah. You know, like diamonds and jewelry (laughs) and silk scarves and stuff, leather wallets. (laughs) See, vacations do that for me. I think that's, I get 
I don't necessarily get that from stuff. I get that from vacations. That's because you're a man. I know. I like vacations. That's right. You're a man. We, we, we women like things that sparkle and shine. Yeah. yeah. I like cruises and uh, bikinis on the beach. Yeah, well, see, that's your sparkle and shine right there. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. I'll tell Jennifer you called it that next time I'm on the beach and I get you in trouble. Will not. This is Helena's sparkle and shine. <laughs> How is it that I always get myself into trouble with you? Uh, uh, all right, as we well have awards, a show. Equestrian have... Social Media Awards. Don't forget to vote for us. If you haven't voted yet, you're only allowed to vote once per email address. So uh, use your 12 email addresses and go vote for us. <laughs> it's at the ESMA Awards. You can just look up ESMA Awards. Just Google it. You'll find it. Or go to our website at stablescoop.com. And there's a big link right in the middle of the page where you can go vote. We are in category 19 as the best broadcast media in the world. We're, and we got some serious competition. It's Horse Radio Network against HRTV and Horse and Country TV. And, and all of these people, RFDs, TVs in there, they're all friends of ours. We, we do, they come on and do segments on our shows and stuff. But, boy, when it comes time to compete, we need to win. Yes. Uh, we need to, you know, this is a whole horse radio network that's been nominated, and, and we are really the, the premier and the biggest radio network for the horse world. Plus, I think we're just the most entertaining. So We're the best. Just right. say it. We, are, we are the, the best. best. So, so go vote for us. Please vote for us. Category 19. Just saying. And, and you know what? 19, have... wait, wait, wait. 19 was my lucky number. That was my lacrosse number for oh, ever. Really? Yeah. Number 19? I was were number 19. Were you defense or offense? Or don't they do that in cross? I was I was a midi, so I played a little bit of both. I, my official position was defensive wing, but I was a little sneak attack in there too. But you're only five two. Did they just lob the ball over you? Man, I got some stick skills. You don't need to be tall to be a good <laughs> lacrosse right, player. I could checking. catch anything. It took now, me a couple of years, but now you put. You, Why did you pick lacrosse? Um, it was fast. Yeah, and it a was little fast. rougher than like. Field hockey. It's well, actually field hockey is more rough. Lacrosse is really? more of an elegant sport. Yeah. Lacrosse is more elegant. And the, the rules, especially in women's lacrosse, it's definitely not as aggressive as men's lacrosse. Um, it, there isn't really a lot of hitting. It's, it's a passing game. Lacrosse is a passing game. And, uh, but it, it was the speed and the constant, constantly changing dynamic of the players on the field. Uh, My girlfriend which, in high school was a field hockey player. And, uh, there are too many rules. They were blowing the whistle every two seconds. It made the game boring. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, it just, that. there was a penalty for everything. It's just like, let them play. Let them hit each other. Let them knock each other. That's what they really want to do anyway. I, <laughs> we did, you know, when, back when I played, we had uh, really the only protective gear that was required for girls and women was a mouth guard. And let me tell you, you wanted that mouth guard in. Um, they've now evolved to... Um, Full body armor. No, nice. no, just eyewear. Just <laughs> oh, it's, eyewear. it's like a light, light goggle, you know, with, with like a metal grate over your face or whatever. And I'll tell you, I, I got nailed in the eyeball with a sh- like all-American captain of the UMass women's lacrosse team takes one of her most powerful shots on goal. And yours truly is just sauntering in front of the goal cage <laughs> at that exact moment. La, 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 la. Bam. It it hurt so bad. I could have sworn, and they took me to the hospital. I could have sworn that my eyeball was pushed back into my brain. <laughs> you were lucky. I I kept my hand over my eye because I did not want to face the reality of my eye not being in the socket. <laughs> oh God! But I have to say that was probably the greatest danger. Everybody was pretty respectful about keeping their sticks off your body for the most part. It's rugby. That's the tough one. That's the one where they get. Yeah, you, you get me. You won't find me out. in a rugby field. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Well, we have a great show planned for today. Another roundtable show for you. And we have a couple of uh, guests coming up that you're going to want to hear from. They are training business owners. And we're going to talk about what it's like to run a training business. What are the pitfalls? What are the pluses? What are the minuses? What are the, uh, what are the challenges of running a training business? And we're, we, we have one from uh, England from in in the london area and then we have another that it happens to be helena's trainer we're going to find out more about that in a minute but first let's talk about equestrian collections i saw chris over the weekend from equestrian collections she was out there buying for this year buying checking out all the new stuff at the uh, american equestrian trade association show we got to spend a little time together and you'll be seeing some of those new products at equestriancollections.com I don't think you're going to find a website that carries more products than, than Chris's over there. There is just tons of stuff. And, you know, she said that blanket sales have been way down this year, obviously, because it's, not, it's been 60 degrees here today, you know? Um, yeah. And I know you've been much, much warmer than usual, haven't had the snow that you usually have. and, and that's We have way. flowers coming up. We have crocus coming up. I know, it's that's, February 1st. <laughs> that's the and way we have flowers. Around the country. So, but people, she said, people are already starting to buy for the spring. They're looking at their clothing for shows, and some people are getting out to shows a little earlier than they would have if the, you know, they hadn't had a chance to work their horses because they're still working their horses. So if you're looking for any product for your horse, for you, uh, for your husband, for your kids that you need for spring showing then you want to go to equestriancollections.com and we'll talk more about all the different things that we saw at ada and what's new and coming up uh, later on in today's show but you want to visit equestriancollections.com we're talking about running a small training business today and we have viola grabowski or grabowska who was with us in episode eight of the stable scoop show three years ago and we had her on because she ran a blog back then and she still is known for social media you're going to hear a little bit later that she has also been nominated for a social media award and she does a tremendous job with that She runs a company called Aspire Equestrian. She is actually Polish and moved to England. And I'm anxious to see how her accent is holding up because we talked to her before. She had a little of both, but uh, we'll see how that goes. And she was a great guest then, and we wanted to have her back for the part of this roundtable discussion. And then why don't you introduce our second guest? Our second guest is Nora Harris, and she's the owner-operator of Nora Harris Equestrian. And um, I've known Nora for a couple of years now, and she is, yes, she is my, my trainer, and she's my daughter's instructor. And we all know, if you've been listening to Stable Scoop for any time, you know how picky I can be. Well, when uh, I first ran into Nora, I knew that she had uh, what it took to, <laughs> to keep me happy, and that's no small task. So um, she's a hunter-jumper dressage instructor, and she's based out of uh, New England. She's here in Tiverton, Rhode Island, and we're going to hear – and she actually has – um, a college degree in her chosen field. So I think that kind of gives her an advantage. But let's uh, we're going to hear from Nora as well. Well, thank you both for being on here. We really appreciate you joining us. And, and we got two countries represented here in this roundtable discussion that we're doing today. And I want you both to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what you do and what kind of programs you run. And uh, let's start with Viola over there in England. What part of England are you in? At the moment, I'm in Berkshire, but I do travel a lot. Okay, and, and, and so for so London and Berkshire. Okay, so you're in, in the London area? Yes, okay. not far from London, so we're within an hour from London. Okay. 
And what kind of operation do you have? What do you do? Well, it's um, it's quite hard to say because there isn't really, well, at least I haven't come across anything similar before. So it's a freelance, pretty much freelance instruction, but I structured it into programs. Okay. So it works as a, as a mobile academy. So I travel or clients travel to me, but I use different centers. Uh, I cooperate with different centers, so they... Um, let me use their facilities and their horses so I can bring my clients there. Okay, so you've worked out an arrangement with uh, various stables and barns over there to use their horses and to come in and do what, what I guess I'm sort of relating to mini clinics almost. It's actually, well, you can think about it as like a personal coaching. So I'm their personal trainer and I write training programs for them and they basically go through the goals I set for them and um, follow the program, follow the training plan. And we sometimes I take them to one place, sometimes the other, so they can ride different horses and experience different facilities and just learn as much as they can. And it's basically for people who um, maybe don't have their own horse, but they would like to experience the sort of coaching that they would if they had their own horse. And they're just goal-driven and they love the challenge and, just want a little bit more than just going to have a you know lesson in a riding school. So you actually bring your students with you? I do, yes. That's an, that's a very interesting uh, model, business model. That's not one that I've I've heard of happening here in the U.S. How about you, Glenn? No, me either. Kind of neat. <laughs> and you guys have a little bit more strict uh, uh, licensing requirements too for instructors and things. Is that correct? We do. Well, well. I have to be qualified, or at least I do for my own peace of mind. You don't, well, I guess you can be a successful um, rider, and then you can teach. Um, but I've got, I've got qualifications, the British Horse Society qualifications. Um, but yes, it's a little bit more, I think it's more regulated, and it's a little bit more frowned upon if you don't have them. Okay. All right, cool. All right, so let's bring Nora into the conversation and tell us about Nora Harris Equestrian. Um, well, Nora Harris Equestrian runs out of Timmerden, Rhode Island, um, and I have between 10 and 12 horses usually at a large equestrian facility. So uh, most of my clients are boarders and own their own horses, but I do have some students who come in and, and take lessons, and then I also do a small amount of freelance training where I travel to people's houses or smaller farms and teach and or ride their horses there. And do you so have your I own do place, a little bit or of everything. are the horses at, at your, are you actually uh, housed at another barn as well? I rent two barns okay. at the facility, so there's actually, you could call it a total of four barns, and there's two trainers there besides myself. Gotcha. Okay. So it's it's a it's a larger operation where you're at. Um Yes. Okay. And and uh you know Helena for a little while. I do. <laughs> That's a loaded uh yes. statement. And I was I I did that open ended to see if she would throw anything good in there that I might be able to use later, but she didn't. No, no, I'm not gonna give you any ammunition. I uh Darn. I go to his house and work with she and her horses at home and then she also sometimes comes to my barn and her career rides with me as well. So, Darn. See, I, yeah. thought, I, was, I thought this was <laughs> no going to be good. I thought I was going to no have juice. all Sorry, this. Glenn. Uh, darn, Nora. 
<laughs> All right. So I want to ask you I know both. better. <laughs> you want to keep a client. I want to ask you both, uh, what, what would you say, uh, Viola, is your biggest challenge? What kind of challenges do you have in running the operation that you do? I think the biggest challenge is to create the environment for these riders that they can improve in. And I would absolutely love to have a sort of operation that Nora has. I'm just looking, I think I'm looking the right way. But it's just financially and just not possible for me. So the challenge is to create the sort of environment where they can improve and become the best they can be uh, without sort of being based at one place because it it means that I have to travel a lot and sometimes doing a fourteen hour days. So it's it's very tiring. So yes, I would say lack of own facilities. But then equally it's it's a bit of a opportunity for me to to teach these people on different horses and uh, many of them actually do have their own horses but I encourage them to ride other horses so they, they their experiences are a little bit more, you know, um What's the word? Comprehensive. <laughs> is, um, but yes, the biggest challenge for me is to create a place out of a place I don't really know that I feel that they improve the best as they can. Is it also a marketing opportunity, though, because you're traveling and you're out and about so much, people see you working with your other clients. Does that help you pick up new clients? It does, yes, because I also teach in other writing schools, so I encourage people to... Um, so by giving them some motivational programs, I encourage them to uh, take up riding a little bit more seriously. So I guess all the centers that I teach at, they, they benefit from that. And of course, yes, I guess um, my, my programs benefit from it as well. I would imagine you also have a hard time scheduling uh, your students. I mean, is, is that a challenge as well? Getting, if you're traveling to yes. a, a new location, I mean, that's got to be kind of prohibitive. Exactly. It, it actually, um, very recently I had this problem, so I started looking for another center that was um, like the one I'm cooperating with now, but they just can't take many, uh, more clients or they're, they're, you know, the facilities can't take it. So I had to go away and, and find another place, which I, I did. So, But yes, it, it, that's absolutely another challenge, yes. What about you, Nora? What's, I have what a do question. You... Yeah, yeah, come on in. I... I have a question for Viola. Um, yes. You have a hard time, or perhaps an easy time, uh, developing relationships with these riding schools where they invite <laughs> you to come and they want you to be there, or do you feel like you, you're having challenges trying to create these opportunities for you and your students? It's both. I would say they're either really, really um, taken by it and then enthused by it, or they absolutely hate it. Because um, they sometimes just just can't see the benefit, can't see through the the fact that they will actually have a lot of um, you know good coming out of it. But there are quite some places can be quite protective about their own way of running the business, and they maybe don't want another business coming in. But then um, those uh, who are sort of I guess secure within their own. They're, they're on the way of running their places. They're really welcoming, and, and I have really, really good experiences with those that I cooperate now. 
there seems to be like that's that's across the board. Either some trainers or business owners are really open to new things and expanding mm. and growing their business through new ways, and others just they don't want to hear anything. I, I it's I haven't seen a lot of people in the middle of the road. It's like I just want total control, do things my own way, or hey, what's new and, and great that's out there, and let's let's try it. Um, Definitely, and actually, that there was um, there's one place where I visited and. And I knew they didn't have any any sort of structured program in place, and we had a long chat and sort of meetings and so on. And they basically said, "Actually, we're already doing what you're doing," which were, <laughs> which they were in. But I, well, I gave up because obviously I don't really want to work against anybody, and it's not my. Really, I like to have fun and enjoy what I'm doing w- with other p- people benefiting from it. So I had to. I unfortunately had to give up on that one, but yes, definitely. It's it's quite sad. I was really discouraged at the beginning, but then I sort of met one other person and then another person, and they said, oh, yes, why don't you do it here? And it sort of grew from there. Hmm. And Nora, do you have your, you sort of have your, your fingers in a bunch of different pies there. You've got your, your students who come in, you've got training rides. So, I mean, that alone, the diversity of the, of how your business runs can either be a, a blessing or a curse. Um, how do you juggle the three different types of of work, and which of them is the most challenging? Um, would you say? Well, I mean, the benefit of of doing that, of course, is the the financial plus, and that um, you know, if one area is slow, then I can sort of pick up somewhere else and kind of fill in the financial gaps. Um, the hardest thing for me probably is definitely the tra- traveling. Um, there's, you know, weather concerns and footing concerns and has the rider been able to ride while I'm gone and how much am I going to be able to get accomplished while I'm there, either if I'm riding or if I'm giving a lesson. Um, so that tends to be the most inconsistent training method. <laughs> But um, usually those people are more more pleasure riders. They want to learn to ride correctly and safely, and they're not necessarily goal-oriented as far as com- competing goes. Mm. Um, whereas the, the students who are with me at my farm are, are pretty serious competitors, and they need to ride every day, and they need the horse schooled. And we, of course, have the indoor. So that helps um, keep that program from getting gappy like the freelance work does. Yeah, I was going to say, one of the things when we had our, our boarding stable and, and when Jennifer was doing training is the is the cancellations. Just the cancellations, you know, it seems like you, you, you never had one person cancel in a day. If there was going to be one person canceled that day, everybody canceled for, for different reasons and you ended <laughs> up with these huge gaps. Is that a problem for either one of you, the, the cancellations? I, the way I did it was um, I banned cancellations, but I uh, give the riders opportunity to book and rebook for any time that they wish. So once they, if, if they want to book me for the day, let's say I, I run training days and I write training sessions, so if they need to, if they want a particular day, then they book that day, and then if if they can't come that something happened, that's absolutely fine, but. I only rebook them because otherwise I just can't. I can't make it make yeah, it work. Right, right. Or if there are horses laying, for example, and they can't attend a lesson, then they can rebook for you know, even a year up 
in advance. I don't mind <laughs> change the date, but they have to pay as they book. Oh, they pay you when they book it? Yes. Ah, okay. How about you, Nora? How do you do that? I do a little bit of the same thing. I, I break my lessons down monthly, so I offer lesson packages. And it's nothing crazy. It's usually just uh, one lesson a week, but you pay at the beginning of the month for your four lessons or lessons or however many lessons you want to take. And I offer a little bit of a, a break on the lessons, so a small discount to buy up front, and then you have to use those lessons in that month. And if you don't use them, then you lose them. Um, wow, that's... Boy, we I love that. We got, used to do that at Myopia, though. Tough, and, right? Yeah, but I'll tell you what, 20 tough. years... No, it's, it's actually very fair. Because I agree. You find that I, I'm not they, arguing. Right? They don't. Yes, you are. You're always. No, I'm, no, I was just going to say that we couldn't get away with that 20 years ago. If you had asked somebody to do that 20 years ago when we were running our barn, they'd have laughed you out of the state. I know. Uh, but things have changed because things a lot of people are doing way. that too now, though. Yeah. It, it benefits the riders too, though, because if if you want to be a part of the sport, then you need to make a commitment. And, and mm, even riding once a week yeah. is tough. So you you need to commit to learning and moving forward. And um, if if you can't commit to one lesson a week, then um, I don't want to call it a waste of my time. But it's it's not beneficial for course or rider. Well, then it goes so. from being lessons to babysitting sessions, basically. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You just right. you start over at the beginning every time, and and yeah. there's no progress. Right. But there's also a you have to keep in mind like there there's this balance between. Um, you know, what kind of rider do you want in your business? And you can't be all things to all people. So do you want to be a competitive instructor and trainer? Do you want to be a, you know, do you want to market your services to the pleasure rider or the competitive rider? But as Nora was saying, and even as um, Viola was alluding to, you kind of have to have your fingers, you, you kind of have to appeal to a broader audience just so that you can fill in those financial gaps. But um, you do have to say at some point, this kind of rider is a waste of my time. And Nora, I think it's okay to say that because that's all you have is time. Your your time is your commodity, right? Your your knowledge, your instruction, your abilities, that's that's your time. And you can't waste it because that's a loss of money for you. So Absolutely. Well, yeah. the, the way I work it is basically that the riders can buy the program for a month. They don't have to buy it, let's say, for a year. They can do it for a month and then they see how they feel with it, how the amount of work, how do they feel with the amount of work? So I, because I give them a lot of homework that I have to read as well, watch some videos, and I find the materials that they have to learn from. So if they, they very quickly either sort of find it very challenging and thrilling, or they just find it too much. Although I haven't yet had anybody quitting, so so far it's good. And I feel the the gaps basically are filled up by teaching in riding schools. So I only. The, the academy, I only take the riders who really want to do it. So now uh, I do have a question. Let's talk technical here uh, real quick. Is How do you keep track of your appointments? What are you using physically? Are you using an old-fashioned appointment book, or are you using modern technology? Viola, what do you use in England? For a while, I was using a website called Manage My Horse, um, it, which, which, was sort of, which is still on the online outside sort of like quick books, like where you can print your reports. But um, then I sort of switched to old-fashioned way of keeping my records. Uh, like an old-fashioned calendar. You're handwriting it all. 
Um, well, you know, the iPhone and the, uh, in between the iPhone and the laptop and my normal old-fashioned calendar, I manage. Okay. And Nora, what do you So you're, you're moderately tech. You're not low yes. tech. You're not high tech. You're, <laughs> you're mid tech. <laughs> moderately, yes, definitely. <laughs> now, Nora, I've seen I, you I'm use an old fashioned whiteboard. <laughs> I have to say, though, I'm a big uh, fan well, of the, the whiteboard. whiteboard. The whiteboard I use on a weekly basis so that, you know, if you come in and, and you are thinking you're going to cancel or you want to change, you can come in and look and see you know, what my week looks like, but for the most part, I just use my little uh, spiral calendar. <laughs> it's got, you know, all the, the days and the times and pencil marks all over it, and um, I don't know, I haven't jumped to the technological booking. I I fantasize about the iPhone, but I also know how many times my phone takes a digger on the concrete every day. <laughs> You're afraid you will not know what's going on the rest of the day. I an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, so, so I stick with my little book and my pencil, my eraser. So. <laughs> and that's exactly, by the way, what the otter box is for. Do you have yours in an otter box? What's an otter box? Otterbox is the What's best. An Otterbox. Okay, Otterbox is the best I've case. I've never heard of that. Okay, it is the best case for iPhones or for Android phones of most kinds. They have tons of different <laughs> kinds. It's called O T T E R Box, and it is virtually indestructible. I have dropped my phone onto concrete. I have dropped my phone everywhere, and it's now. It's going to make your phone much heavier. But if you ha- have a business where you, you with the horses and everything, almost every. Uh, horse owner I have seen has an otter box now because they're indestructible and it puts a, a case over your glass so you don't break that. If, and I, our barn owner had a horse step on it and with the otter box on, didn't break. Oh my god! And wow. it's it's they're cheap too. They're under thirty bucks. There's my recommendation for everybody today. Go to Amazon or one of those and just sixteen ninety nine. Yeah, they're cheap, and it, it now it's going to make your phone five times heavier because it's oh. a serious. What it has is it has a hard shell that goes over the phone, and then it has a rubber case that goes over the hard shell. Um, so it bounces when you drop it? It almost bounces. I'm not kidding. It almost bounces. <laughs> now there's an idea. And, and uh, it's sort of like having bubble wrap on your phone. Love the OtterBox. And they have some warranties and guarantees with these, too, if your phone does break. You know what we so. should do is we should, talk, we should call up Charles Owen and see if they can make some kind of protective gear. I think we should Something call that... OtterBox Otter and see if they would be a sponsor. i got to like... do that. <laughs> Do you have, like, a belt clip or something? Yes. Because I see this not fitting into the pocket of my britches. It comes with a belt clip. I wear mine on, on my belt clip. Oh, you are such a geek. I know. Oh, my God. You're such a geek. But I'll tell you what, this OtterBox, wonderful thing. If you own a barn, anybody should have one of these. Uh, you know, you our barn owner... get it out from, the, from this case to, to well, use it, or...? Oh, no, you, you use it right in the case. And, uh, oh. yeah, it does all the swipey things. You can do anything you want to normal with the phone. It seems to work pretty well. Oh, and, and they also have it in hot pink. Yes, and my barn Ooh. owner, where we keep our horse, has hers in hot pink. That's where I learned about it, and she has dropped her phone a thousand times. Um, and the other thing is they're fairly waterproof. So if you drop it in a water bucket and get it out quick, you won't have water in your phone. Mm. Um, so they're... Wow. 
it has yeah it's pretty neat stuff but she my my barn owner over there darcy she actually does use the iphone for all of her appointments now she used to have the uh old-fashioned and now she uses the iphone well that was just a side note because i know people are curious that's one of the challenges we have is keeping our calendar straight and also keeping our billing straight so that's the next question i wanted to ask nora how do you keep your billing straight are you using a program or Oh, I'm not using a program. I'm using my little book and my brain. Okay. Um, for the for the most part, I don't do a lot of billing. Um, my board price is fairly inclusive of of my services okay. as far as main poles and clipping and things like that. So I don't tend to add a lot of extras on. Um, and then, of course, the lessons and the training rides are all paid up front as well with the board. So for the most part, I don't do a ton of billing. Um, I do have some clients that do prefer to be billed, and I just keep a little list of things that need to be billed, like you know, shoes or deworming or on paper, Nora. Yes. With a pencil and <laughs> pen. Wow. That's paper, That's well, Nora. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I do my billing some... on a spreadsheet. <laughs> I put it all into the computer and then I email it. Is that? And you know, I know horse women, horse people. I'm going to say horse people because it's not just limited to women. One of the things that we're bad at is keeping receipts, keeping records, putting it all into the computer for tax time. I don't know if you two are the exception at that, but boy, we were we weren't very good at it. And that's, you know what, that's a big, that, that actually, this is a great segue into my next question. Talking, you know, being good at horses doesn't necessarily mean you're good at business. And I think that um, it, those trainers and instructors that are successful find a way to uh, strengthen that muscle, that, that business side of them. Um, whether it's, you know, whether it's pen and paper or whether it's iPhone, um, but there's also, you know, you're a business owner and now you have to have people working for you. There's paperwork, there's billing, there's in- employees. So how do you, um, Viola, I'm not sure, do you have people working for you? Do you have employees or are you just, is this no, a one-woman really. show? No, not really. It's very straightforward. I do work with other freelance instructors. So uh, they help me on a sort of a, uh, an event basis. If I run an event, then we get together and we run it all on freelance basis. So I don't employ anybody as such. So it's very easy for me. But Nora, you actually have uh, an employee, a very interesting one, don't you? I have an employee. Your husband? And he, <laughs> <laughs> you could call him my husband. Okay. Uh, We're not married, but okay. he is my significant other. Oh, and he works for <laughs> you? We work side by side. Okay, all right, just check. I wouldn't say that he works for me. I don't think that would be a fair uh, way to put things. Okay. Because, as you know, he we work together. He was the one coming out to the field today and going, are you going to get off of that horse because you need to go home and record the Stable Scoop show? <laughs> so <laughs> he, he plays his role in uh, making sure that I stay on task. So... But he recently left his a, a different job. He had a day job, and you guys made the very conscious decision to uh, to head this business together, and that was a that's a big deal. Um, yeah, he had a regular nine to five. He was a, a salesman, and he was not happy, even though the the financial situation was very nice. And I was having problems 
with the the employees that I had and not feeling not feeling like they were a part of this business, not feeling like cared. Um, not that they didn't care about the horses, but they didn't care about the things that were important to me. So um, we sat down and we crunched the numbers and decided that we could eke this out. And that was about, it was only about two months ago. He's He's been in it for a few months and we're going strong. I think we're both very happy. So. I was just going to say, and you're still together, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, we, we kind of have different jobs. It's not like we're sitting right next to you all day and, and, you know, on top of each other. I mean, I'm out riding and teaching, and he's caring for the horses, and he does a lot of the uh, bookwork and the marketing-type stuff that I can't stand to do. So we have different roles, and we sort of cross each other's paths once every hour or so, but don't. We're not, like, right next to each other, so it's really not that bad. Okay. Interesting. So what are, you know, one of the things, too, you know, we, we have a lot of younger people that listen to the shows, and, you know, they're always, you talk to any teenager that's horse crazy, and the first thing that he or she says is, uh, you know, you ask them what you want to do, and they say, I want to make a living with horses. Um, and, and And then we all kind of chuckle because that all sounds very easy, but there's, there's not a ton of opportunities as there is in the general world to make a living doing this. And, and it is tough even doing the businesses that you guys are doing to keep enough money rolling in to, to make it all worthwhile or support two people in your case, Nora. So what about the financial rewards? What would you tell people that are coming up? Viola? Uh, well, I don't think I would want to, if, to any teenager who's looking for a big financial reward starting out in, in horses, I wouldn't say, I would say don't go into it because you have to work very, very hard and have uh, basically be really dedicated and, and have an, I would say the most important thing is to have an idea exactly what um, you want from this business. So, for example, if you want to be a rider, if you want to teach or or train horses, but something that you really believe in and then try to make it happen. But I wouldn't say it's necessarily a, a money-making industry. Well, at least I, I, I haven't found There's no financial reward. <laughs> Just a lot of hard work. <laughs> and in Nora's case, a lot of freezing your butt off. Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, tell me about it. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you keep in mind, too, that – and I think this is especially true in today's economy in the United States, at least. And, and I, I'm going to venture to guess in the U.K. as well, is a lot of people are losing their jobs um, and they're reinventing themselves. For some people, I think losing whatever corporate job they had is sort of a blessing in disguise because then they go out and they sort of – they say, well, what am I good at and what do I really like to do? Maybe it's time for me to try something else. And what I found just in my own discussions with people is that they found something that they love to do all day long. And while the financial – I don't want to say financial rewards. The reward in that new job is – self-fulfillment and happiness, contentment. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to be poor at the same time. I think both Viola and Nora are getting, they're making a living at what they do. Um, you know, that's not to say that they're, I mean, I, maybe it is. Yeah. I mean, we all look at our checkbooks and go, oh God, <laughs> I can't wait for the next pay period. But um, 
we're, we all have a roof over our heads and, and we're eating well. Um, so I think there's also this changing uh, paradigm about what it means to be rewarded. It's not just financial anymore. No, what definitely. Do you think? I, I completely agree. Um, I, you know, that's why that's why Rich and I decided to do this business together because I needed someone who cared, who wanted to be a part of this business and take care of the horses the proper way and take care of the clients the proper way. And there, mm. it's hard to find someone who who finds a reward in that that isn't financial because everybody wants to get paid, 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 but the biggest part for me is the relationship that I have with my clients and with my horses. And uh, Rich has very easily found his way into that big big relationship there and, and really owning the business and wanting it to succeed. Nora, Even though you get a big fat paycheck. I've got to tell you, though, Nora, you're going to miss his paycheck. <laughs> Shut up. God. Stop it. Lynn. No, we have a nice little home. You know, I own four horses. Like, so I, obviously, I'm I'm spending a little on the side there. But um, <laughs> I was just picking on we're you. We're surviving. I tell you, I did the same thing. I worked in sales. I, we, you, you, you're basically doing the same thing Jennifer and I did. I worked in sales. I made pretty good money, and then I left, and we 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 had a big barn, and we. I left to, to run the barn. I got burnt out of that and left to run the barn. And I will say we did miss the big paycheck. You know, at first, you get used to having that. And, you know, when that goes away, there's some adjustment time there. But you, get used, you also get used to that. You know, you, you get used to whatever situation that you're in for any period of time. Um, but You're incredibly you, adaptable creatures. I mean, yeah. I, you know, people complain about And the, you, people who get, get that nice paycheck, they're complaining about something else. They're the ones who are popping pills and, you know, going to see the heart doctor. And I, I've been in both positions, too. There is nothing that a paycheck can buy me. There's, you know, it, it can't buy me that kind of happiness and peace. It just can't. I, I'd rather be well, driving it, down the street in a pickup truck and a cup of, with my Dunkin' Donuts coffee, <laughs> you know, going to pick poop. Having well, having that feeling, you wake up in the morning and you you're ready to go to work. Like you're excited for the day. And to me, there's nothing worse than waking up and being like, "Oh my gosh, I can't go to work today. I can't. I can't make it. I can't go see all those people. Or I can't can't deal with the the things that I have to deal with at a job that I don't like. Like that's the worst feeling in the world to me. But I don't have that. I'm excited. I'm ready. I'm I'm. I want to be at work, and that's a really rewarding place to be. It it definitely is. There's no question about it. You know that you guys already answered the one other question we really wanted to get to today, and what are the biggest rewards? Um, and I know you'll both say, you know, working with working with the horses and the people. Um, sometimes we like the horses. There are days that the horses are more fun to work with than the people, and then the other way around. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, you know, and there's a lot of barn owners out there, especially boarding stable owners. They all say the same thing. They all have the same line when the, when the clients aren't around. They all say, this would be a great business if it wasn't for the people. If all I had to do was deal with the horses every day and the people never came out to see their horses, I would be in heaven. Boarding well, stable I, owners will no, tell you that every time. I got I to gotta pick that bone with you because I think that those barn owners, those people need to be more selective about who they take on as clients. And that's hard because, yeah, that's you, hard. you know, you want to take whatever, who's ever got the pay, the money, but 
you know, it's all about the people. You guys know this. You you have, you know, when you have one bad apple in your barn, it can totally ruin things. So you almost, I always say this to, you know, upstart uh, barn owners and trainers, said, interview your clients as if you were interviewing employees because these people are moving in with you. <laughs> They're moving in with you. <laughs> Well, I don't have that problem because I don't run my own place, but I can I agree that you have to sort of find people that you like working with. Almost, you, I know they are your clients and you teach them, but it's almost like they totally work with you. So to have people who are motivated by the same things and who really want to improve, that's what really makes this job exciting, I think. Yeah, now you don't, the, let's, let's talk. Think, Sorry, Nora, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I've been in the position where I've just attracted the kind of clients who want to be in my sort of program. So I haven't really had to weed anyone out or even interview. I feel like we have a really cohesive group. Everyone gets along and they're very welcoming to the new people. And then the new people just just meld right in so it's been pretty easy on my end there's a saying too and especially in sales and i know helena's heard this one because we've discussed it before they tell you when you're in sales to fire your biggest pain in the butt client fire one a year and just by firing that one a year you'll earn 20 percent more the next year because that one client takes up so much of your time and everybody knows that you know who those people are it's true. They, they take up so much of your time that when, and you've done this, Alina, I know you have, yep. uh, that when you turn around and fire that one client, you're so relieved and you're, you're mentally so, you're just so relieved that it allows you the, the freedom to make more money. Um, and usually that one client that's your biggest pain in the butt is also the client that you make the least amount of money off of. <laughs> it's it always the 80-20 rule. every single time. It's true. It's true. I mean, I have to say that Nora's, Nora's situation is, is unique, which is part of the reason why um, I'm one of her clients is that she does. And I, I'm opening my mind a little bit to this. I think that people with good karma um, and Viola, I've looked at your website and your training philosophy. And I think you have a very similar approach to Nora's in that I think people with that good, um, good karma and good diplomacy skills tend to attract people. You might not be thinking this in your conscious mind, like, Oh, I like this trainer because, but there's a way that you affect people when you meet them. And when you deal with them, that attracts like-minded people that way, you know, can, do we attract the freaks every now and again? Of course. Um, (laughs) I mean, that's my forte. I'm really good at that. (laughs) Well, I do a show with you, Glenn. That's right. Um, and so, I, you know, there's, I mean, maybe that's a little like, I don't know, voodoo-ish, but I do think that there's something uh, underneath the surface that attracts better people to those better trainers. Just saying. Yes, well, I think that, that the, the sort of philosophy, I guess, um, the way maybe you, well, not to sell, but talk about your your training or your services, I think I totally agree. It's sort of appeals to certain person and then you can either develop it or if they turn up not to be interested then fair enough but I'm sure there's a, there's so many different types of establishments that they can find and place where they feel that, like they fit in better but definitely the, the that first impression is, is there and they're either like it or not. Well we've run out of time here. Can uh, Let me give you a chance. Nora, do you have a website? I do have a website. It's 
www.noraharris.com. And Facebook page or not? Uh, yep, Nora Harris Equestrian is our Facebook page. Okay. Like us, we right. update more regularly on our Facebook page than the website. So it's okay, really so the place for all the good juice. And I'm going over there right now to do that. So I <laughs> just typing it in. There it is, Nora Harris Equestrian. <laughs> we gave you guys gave you guys a shout out this morning. That was rich. Oh, look at that. Yes, you did. Thank you very much. I'm just uh, liking you now, so I've, I've uh, done that. Now, how about Viola? We're on Facebook, Aspire Equestrian Riding Academy. And actually, if you, if you go there, if you have the time, if you like what we do, I'd really appreciate you voting for us in Equestrian Social Media Awards. And maybe for the other finalists as well, because there's loads of fabulous finalists. But if you do have the time, it'll be fantastic. And the website is aspire-equestrian.com. And she was nominated, actually, for the Equestrian Social Media Awards in the best use of social media by a writing school. That's so, right. Congratulations. Yeah, you have a great website. Thank you. Great, great website. Yeah, congratulations Thank for you. that. That's very exciting. And I did vote for you when I voted, by the way. Oh, thank you. You're right. <laughs> well, thank you both for joining us. We really appreciate it. What an interesting conversation, and I hope that the audience and the listeners were able to get something out of it as well. Viola, good luck over there in England. Uh, keep on riding in the same nor up there in the Northeast. Well, that was fun. I do love these roundtable shows. I love the discussion. I know. I know. I got to not get so jacked up, though. I get so into it. <laughs> That's partly why we love you. I know. That's, I know. Why, Thank you, everybody, for listening to me. I get so – I don't know how the rest of the world does it. Like they lead with their head and sort of leave their hearts behind or something. I, my heart and my mouth just kind of they, – they talk together. But they leave my brain out of it. <laughs> well, at least you weren't pounding on the table today. So. I know that's true. That's true. <laughs> and, and that, by the way, that comes from being very Italian. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're, right. you're right. Well, why don't we talk about Kentucky Performance Products, and then I got to tell you about the redneck wine glass I found at Ada. Oh, love it. Kentucky Performance Products is a dedicated supporter of several HRN shows. KPP offers a variety of great supplements, and one of those is Caraform. Caraform is a source of biotin, iodine, and zinc, which are shown to support the maintenance of healthy hooves and hair. These ingredients are combined with lecithin and full-fat soybeans to provide a source of essential fatty acids, an ingredient that supports a normal healthy hair coat. Yeast cultures are included and play a role in the maintenance of normal digestive function, which may Caraform a well-rounded and affordable supplement. To find out more about this and all of the KPP products, visit them online at kppusa.com or call them at 1-800-772-1988. That's 1-800-772-1988. To learn more about horse nutrition and interact with the KPP experts, be sure to join their Facebook page. All right. Thank you, Helena, and thanks to Kentucky Performance Products. Well, the ADA show, I'll give you a little bit of an overview. Uh, we went in on Friday. This is the wholesale uh, retail show where the retailers go to buy stuff for the next year to see everything that's available. 
and we've been going to it now, what, for two years now, uh, and it's every six months. And unfortunately, Helena couldn't join us this time. And what I saw in our coverage of it was a lack of coverage about the clothing, because Jennifer and I could care less about clothing. So you were the one that always provided the the neat clothing coverage, so that was missing. I mm. uh, can't tell you much about that, because we really didn't do a whole lot on the clothing aspect of things. Of course, I was looking at all the new gadgets and gizmos. <laughs> A geek through and through. <laughs> there was a there were some new companies there. Um, you, do you remember Poo Poo Paper? I loved Poo Poo Paper. <laughs> he was there again and had some new products. It was kind of funny. And uh, there was, I would say, there there were some new colors and items. Blankets seemed to be coming out in a variety of new colors. Uh, Amen. Yes. Finally. <laughs> so you're going to see a lot of colors on blankets next year. And and I, Weatherbeat, I think, impressed me the most uh, with their blanket lines in the changes they have been making to to have them fit better. Their new adjustable system in the front of the blanket, we're going to have to review that one here one of these days, is mm. just really cool. It makes it adjustable like six different ways. Uh, so it'll fit quarter horses better. They've changed it so it almost looks like a skirt in the front now. Um, and, and so some of the technologies in blankets, they're all, there's a lot of competition in the blanket market right now, so they're all trying to kick it up a notch. And that's what we saw. We saw a lot of innovation in blankets this year. Um, and, and the clothing lines. There's so many clothing lines now for show clothing that they're also working hard to, to kick it up. i got to tell you, Taylor's Sportsman was one of those, you know, if you're a hunter-jumper rider, you wear Taylor's Sportsman or at least – what, 20 years ago, Helena, you had to wear Taylor Sportsman. You wouldn't win a oh, ribbon. Oh, that's all there was. Yeah. That's all there was. And you wouldn't win a ribbon unless you wore Taylor Sportsman. And they had one kind of breach. I forget what it was called. But it was just this one kind of breach. You bought it. It was uncomfortable. Nobody liked it, but they had to wear it. <laughs> now the Taylor Sportsman, and the Taylor Sportsman booth back then at this show used to be one 10 by 10 booth. And they used to, because they only had one pair of breeches. So you just went in, you bought your breeches, and you left. Now this booth is like 40 feet long. They must have 100 different pairs of breeches, and they have 10 sales reps lined up, and there are people sitting there all day long buying. I, yeah, and they cover their booth with, like, it's a big secret. Yes. You know, they, when, you, when, when sort of things start to shut down, or if you get there early in the morning, it's like, ooh, shh, don't, let's, what's Taylor Sportsman got under the cloth? <laughs> And so that was big. Uh, equestrian riding supply was huge this year. And they do uh, a lot of different brands like Ovation and, and Rumpf and those kinds of brands. And they had a huge booth this year and, and a lot of different products. But there were some little companies with some little new products, too, that we'll talk about over the next couple of weeks. So I have some products and some guests that we'll be bringing on here over the next couple of weeks with some interesting stuff. So look for that coming up. Uh, my pick for the weekend for the wacky product that everybody there fell in love with. If they saw it, they were overtouching it. And he said he sold a ton of this stuff over the weekend. I like to call it the redneck wine glass. But nope, they can't call it that because there actually is a redneck wine glass. This is called Southern Swigs. And what they have done is taken a ball mason jar. You know those canning jars that your mom and grandma used to can tomatoes and and things like that, and peaches and things in? You remember those? Yes, sir. Okay. Well, those canning jars, what they have done is taken them and put them into multiple uses. But the coolest one is they have mounted them on top of a wine glass stem. So you have a ball mason jar wine glass. And it's a pretty hefty wine glass stem because it has to hold up the ball mason jar. 
But it is like a redneck wine glass. And it comes complete with the metal screw top. So if you, you know, want to put your Kentucky moonshine in there, which is what looks like should be in there, by the way, um, then you can keep it fresh by just putting your little metal top on top. I love these things. I was carrying it around the show, uh, visiting different booths, and I, everybody stopped me and said, where, where, what is that? Where'd you get it? That is so cool. It is. It, you want a whole set of these redneck wine glasses, let me tell you. They are just so neat. And, you know, I don't know. Did, your, did you used to can? Do you can at all? Or did your parents? Peter does, yes. Peter does. Yes. There is a rule. When you get those ball jars from your grandmother and they had, or your mother and they had the, the fruit and vegetables in them, you can't throw them out. It's like, an, it's like illegal to throw them out because you feel so guilty throwing this perfectly good jar out. And you know that your grandmother will come down from heaven and strike you dead if you throw that ball jar out. <laughs> so you don't. You keep them. And then what do you end up doing with them anyway? Nothing. Glasses. Don't you well, make glasses uh, yeah, we drink out them. of them? We use them for glasses. Exactly. And, and they look really good on the table. I know. They're pretty. They're uh, chic. Yeah. They're, they're shabby chic. chic. They're well, shabby now chic. they're really shabby chic because they made them in the wine glasses. They're the <laughs> coolest thing ever. And then what they did is they took little ones, little ball glasses, and little tiny ones about three inches high, and they made them in the salt and pepper shakers on the little wine glass stand. So, and, and then he said, nobody's buying them for salt and pepper shakers. I said, why? He said, they're all buying them as shot glasses. Oh, God. <laughs> so, this is the coolest stuff. Shot, they're a little big for shot glasses, don't you think? Uh, I guess it depends how drunk you want to get. Um, Southern Swigs, W-S-I-G-S dot com, and you'll see pictures of this. And they've also taken the big bald uh, jars, and they've made uh, pictures out of them, and they just have this whole line of things for your table made out of these bald jars, these mason jars. It's so cool. Hmm. It is really cool. I, I, I'm yeah. telling you, it was the hit of the show. <laughs> Did they? What were they serving in their their? They were Thanks. all empty, but I, I have mine. He gave me one. He was very nice oh. to give me one. And I have mine here on my desk, and I'm putting M&Ms in it. It's very pretty. M&Ms? It has M&Ms in it. It looks very pretty. And Glenn, that's it, not good for your diet. Well, the object is to make it there as a, a decorative ornament, but the problem I've been having is the thing's half empty already, and I just put it there yesterday. <laughs> I think <laughs> what I need to gone. do— If it was and, me, it would be gone. Right, I think what I need to do—you know, it has the lid, which is another great reason it's good for M&Ms or peanuts or whatever you want to put in there, is because it has the lid. It has that metal lid on it, but, but the problem is I need to super glue the metal lid shut. That's what I need to do. Well, you need to super glue your lips shut. But you know what I would do then? Then I would take a. I would and take that a, actually, come to think of it, that might <laughs> solve a lot of problems. I'll tell you what. You filled one of these with uh, Kentucky uh, moonshine down here. You you wouldn't have to worry about me talking for about a month. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, actually, come um, somewhere around Cinco de Mayo and the Derby. Those Derby days, Peter makes a wicked mint julep, and I I think these would be the perfect vessel for a mint julep. I don't see a price on them, and I didn't know a price from the weekend, So, and I'm not finding a price on their website. I think – let me just see if I can uh, search for Southern Swigs and we can – See if you have somebody who uh, – yeah, oh, they I, do take I, all major credit cards via PayPal. <laughs> Cornell Country Store. Here we go. They have them. They're, they're not cheap. They're eleven ninety nine for the Southern Swigs uh, large redneck wine glass. Or you Her can, glass? Yes, it looks that way. Uh, yeah, these are kind of expensive. Uh, the smaller wine glasses, which are nine ninety nine, 
uh, I think there's just I think there's a lot that goes into making these as well. Yeah, I can see that, but I, oh, how do you, it's, that's expensive if you want to buy a whole set. But if you want the little uh, shot glasses, those are uh, wow, that's those are expensive too. They're those are expensive too. <laughs> so. Well, you know what though? Think about what somebody would pay for stemware. You yeah, know, so that's like, true. Yeah. You know, I, I'm down more, to like three glasses, three wine glasses, because I can't afford to replace my stemware. At this is the dollars. crystal of the redneck world. This is crystal. They're they're pretty cool. Oh, All right, yeah. I'll take it. All right, eleven ninety nine a glass. That's fine. I mean, for eight, you know, service for eight. Well, that, that's, yeah, that's hundred bucks. That's ninety bucks. <laughs> Actually, that's not bad. Let's say you're, you know, you are a a mom and your kids are grown and you want to get them a nice gift. A hundred bucks for a set of these glasses is not bad. If you would have come to the show, I'd have got you one. Nee, 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 nee. <laughs> Southern Swigs, more fun stuff coming up next week from the Adis show. And it's going to be a little more serious. We actually have some things that are directly related to horses coming up. I that's like this light and fluffy, goofy stuff. This is way better. <laughs> I'm telling you, everybody that saw it sitting on asked about it. This was the one thing that everybody asked about, just because we were all going, it's so cool. Yeah. <clears throat> but then that's a bunch of jaded buyers who've seen it all, and this was new. So it is nice to see new things. Yeah. New things sell. All right, so that's Southern Swigs, and and what the, what's the website? SouthernSwigs.com. SouthernSwigs.com. Yep. And Super. Hey, good job, Glenn. I'm I'm impressed that you found something so great without me. Good job. <laughs> Um, sure. What else do we have? I think that's about it. Um, okay. Don't forget to uh, check us out again next week. Helena's working on a very special big guest. Oh, yes. So, yes. We're talking the big O. We hope, Olympian we hope people. Keep, keep your fingers crossed. But this show is really going to be, you're going to have the big guest on, but not talking about the Olympics, right? No, we're not. So, so You're going to have to tune in to uh, find out. Okay. Well, I can tell you what the, the, the theme of next week's show is going to be equestrian developments. That's real estate. So these really cool gated equestrian communities that are basically home lots and little mini farms that are centered around uh, equestrian facilities. And uh, everybody's, every horse person's dream to live in one of those fancy equestrian communities where you can uh, ride anywhere and all your neighbors like horses and nobody can uh, talk about whinnying. And those and there's trails everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, you can, if you need to use the dressage ring, you can. You just hack up there. and <sighs> I know. It's so nice. <laughs> anyway, I know. I'm not going to afford one anytime and, because we have the same problem that our, our trainers earlier had. It's uh, it's making enough money to do all those fun things because we work in the horse world. Well, never say never because, you know, sometimes in a down economy, opportunities will arise that you, you didn't have before. So That's when the opportunities do arise, actually. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> so be sure to um, log in next week. Next week, yes. We'll, so we'll be talking about that. But if you would like details about today's show, you can find them at StableScoop.com. We post links to our guest websites and information, photos, blah, 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 blah. So StableScoop.com. And we do love your feedback. So join this uh, conversation. If you've got things to, to pipe in, if you have trading tips, if you're a small business owner and you want to pitch in on, on this conversation, go to Facebook and find us under StableScoop. And uh, we're happy to hear your, your comments. You can also follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. And, uh, Glenn, I think we have some sponsors to thank, too, don't we? Equestrian Collections and Kentucky Performance Products. And we thank them again for being part of the show. Uh, Well, that's it for this week, Helena. Yeah, that was plenty. But like I said, there will be more next week.